in the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals, so that security and liberty may prosper together. Welcome to 10 Minutes on Democracy. That clip came from President Dwight Eisenhower's farewell address to the nation in January 1961. Moving forward 60 years, we see continued resonance in the conversation about the military-industrial complex with the new Russia-Ukraine war, which is playing out in so many ripples across our politics and our economy. But on the home front, we're looking at developments in our democracy across the states this week. I'm Jason Franklin, Senior Advisor at One for Democracy, and today is Tuesday, April 19th. Let's dive in first with some reflections on a few major campaign upheavals this last week. We've seen upheavals in a couple of key statewide election races this last week. Brian Benjamin, New York's lieutenant governor, resigned after being arrested last week on federal charges related to campaign finance fraud. And in a very long-running case, South Dakota lawmakers have finally impeached their state attorney general, who fatally hit a man with his car in 2020 and claimed that he didn't know he had hit somebody. It has been an ongoing investigation, and it is the first impeachment in decades in South Dakota. Both of these, resignation and impeachment, throw into question races for the lieutenant governor in New York and attorney general in South Dakota and shift the politics in both states, potentially presenting openings for more progressive candidates in New York and more conservative candidates in South Dakota. And are also just a reminder that when you think that a race is locked in, anything can change and why we need to kind of keep abreast of how the dynamics of individual races and individual people can really impact the future of our politics and the future of our democracy. We also saw this last week some of the last minute scrambling where different opposing forces are jockeying to try to make things happen. You don't quite know what will happen in politics until it's done. In Georgia, we saw the last day of their legislative session occur, and you saw a flurry of democracy-related bills. In particular, you saw the defeat of House Bill 1464, which is a great thing. House Bill 1464 would have really undermined democracy and devastated local election administration. It would have allowed for sham audits of elections by third-party organizations, restricted funding for elections to counties as well as food and water donations, lowered the number of voting machines, added administrative burdens to make it harder to administer elections. So great news to see that defeated. But on the flip side, Senate Bill 441 was passed. This is the elections investigation bill, which now gives the Georgia Bureau of Investigation very ambiguous authority to investigate claims of voter fraud that are unfounded. There's very little evidence of them occurring anywhere in the country. And this kind of authority is really what advocates fear is going to be used to intimidate Georgia voters. You also saw mixed news in Missouri this week, where the Senate Local Government and Elections Committee, on one hand, advanced legislation that would make the state's voter ID law much stricter, attempts to 
make it harder to vote, more limited forms of ID that would be allowable to vote. But on the flip side, Missouri also had moved forward legislation that would create in-person early voting for the first time. So a mixed bag, none of these are final, these are moving through the legislative process in Missouri, but a real example of how you can have ups and downs simultaneously in the same place. Georgia was defeating one bad bill and unfortunately another bad bill passed. Missouri actually advancing both a good and a bad bill simultaneously through the their legislative process. We also did see some good news, though, this last week. Arizona, not the best news, but I'll take it, voted to delay implementation of their new, very controversial law requiring proof of citizenship until after the 2022 election. It gives them more chance to really push back, get rid of or um, reduce the impacts of that citizenship law. New York made it easier to, for voters with disabilities, college students, and mail voting to happen. And Governor Tony Evers in Wisconsin vetoed legislation that would have interfered with independent administration of elections. So some good news, mostly rear guard actions like delaying or vetoing bad things in Arizona and Wisconsin, but some uplifting news from New York and a reminder of how much the future of our democracy and the future of political power in this country hinges on a lot of very minor pieces of legislation that add up to make big impacts. We also saw this week continued dynamics of Trump's influence in the Republican Party on primaries, on how they are rolling out and managing their election processes. The Republican National Committee unanimously voted to withdraw from the Commission on Presidential Debates. They've said that the bipartisan commission is biased in favor of Democrats, mainly they're complaining about fact-checking, which Trump doesn't like. And they also have now instituted a requirement that all GOP presidential candidates must attest in writing that they will only appear at party-sanctioned debates, meaning anyone seeking the GOP presidential nomination and wanting support from the RNC can't participate in these bipartisan debates. Likely the end, or at least the pause for a long time, of these bipartisan debates with the commission um, that have been running for decades. You also saw Trump wading into a bunch of more controversial or unclear Republican primaries, really putting his name on the line and trying to put his thumb on the lever of who gets moved forward in various Republican primaries, including in several states where many of his advisors were trying to get him to wait. In Pennsylvania, for example, saying, don't get into this very contentious and unclear primary where it's not evident that your endorsement will help move your candidate forward. It'll really end up being a test now many see as like, will Trump's endorsements shift the trajectory of primaries or is this a moment of seeing that actually the Republican Party may be shifting slightly out of his grasp? Really a question. And on the flip side, you saw the Senate Leadership Fund, which is the large pack aligned with Mitch McConnell um, on the Republican side in Senate races, announced that it's reserved a huge $141 million in TV ads across seven states from September 6th through Election Day. Alaska, Arizona, Georgia, Nevada, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin all of the big ticket controversial races, plus places like Alaska, where it's the Republican on Republican primary, where you see Trump and McConnell kind of jockeying for which version of the Republican Party is going to move forward. So big, big ad buy announced um, and the kind of ongoing inter-Republican contestation for the future of the Republican Party. Last thing I would focus on this week is just the ongoing, we're getting closer to the end, but the ongoing dynamics of redistricting. You've heard me talk about it a lot, but three big uh, developments this week as we get towards the end and in three of the places with the biggest vote blocks left to be determined. 
So in Florida, the Republican legislature has finally kind of backed off, as I talked about, and said that the governor can create his own map. After a lot of inner contestation, the Republicans have said, fine, we will follow Rick, Ron DeSantis in introducing his new congressional map. It will create four more Republican-leaning districts by breaking up a largely black district, attempting to create what looks like a very neat map. It looks nice and compact, but it is a neat map that is racially gerrymandered by breaking up black urban center into four different districts. So last month, DeSantis had vetoed the Republican-controlled legislature's maps and pushed forward the stronger one. Now we'll have to wait to see what happens with the courts as they review this and whether it will stand the test of time. In New York, we see the courts taking a look again at the very aggressive Democratic gerrymander drawn by New York Democrats. So a judge in Steuben County in New York has actually now appointed a special master to draw new congressional district boundaries, even as the legal challenge to the current maps is playing out. So kind of trying to get ahead and draw an alternative map in the situation that the court finds that the New York maps were inappropriately gerrymandered. So keep looking at, but Florida and New York, perhaps the two biggest breakaways in terms of their overall impact on house control. The third, smaller in terms of numeric advantage, but important, happened to Wisconsin, where you saw the Wisconsin Supreme Court on Friday voted 4-3 now to adopt the state Republican-run legislature's drawn map after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned their decision earlier to enact the Democratic governor's drawn maps. So you see this reverse. And earlier, the Wisconsin court had selected Evers' plans because they best complied with its directive to represent the least change possible, which was still locking in a Republican gerrymander, but it was a little bit better. Instead, the U.S. Supreme Court struck that down because they said there hadn't been a full-blown analysis of whether the Voting Rights Act required drawing a seventh majority black district in Milwaukee. And so with that ruling, the conservative Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice, Brian Hagedorn, who had actually sided with the three liberals to pick the Democratic proposal, has switched sides back and picked the Republican map, saying you're kind of still stuck in this impasse, but what it likely means at this point is you're going to see a map that picks up one more Republican seat instead of one more Democratic Black majority seat in Wisconsin. So these are the back and forth. We're going to see them for a few more weeks, but really important to watch both for the impact on BIPOC communities and their representation in Congress and for the balance of power in Congress for the next decade. So that's what we've got for this week in our review of developments in democracy. And actually later this week, I'm gonna be headed to Australia for a series of engagements around democracy, environmental social justice, and philanthropy down under. So we're gonna be taking a pause on 10 Minutes on Democracy, and we'll be back with our next recap on Tuesday, May 31st. In the meantime, please reach out to the One for Democracy team at www.onefordemocracy.org. If there's any way that any part of the O4D team can support you to take action to protect and strengthen our democracy. Look forward to talking with you again in a month. Take care.